Hi, and thank you for joining us for episode 10 of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Jans. On the Jelly Marketing Podcast, we ask global industry leaders from world-class brands to share their best practices, stories, innovations, and more to help you move your agency, business, or organization ahead. Our topic for today is award-winning marketing campaigns, authenticity, and the trials and tribulations of a print magazine creating a digital option. Our guest, Kate Wilkinson, is from Marketing, which can be found online at marketingmag.ca. She is an editor and oversees marketing's events. Her job is to find good stories to tell at their conferences and oversee their awards shows. Stay tuned to the end of the interview where we find out what Kate likes to spread on her toast. Episode number 10, what do you mean there's no best in show? Here we go. Hi, Kate. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, no problem. Thanks for having me. Kate Wilkinson is the events editor at Marketing Mag. Uh, what's, what's the full name of the magazine? Actually, just marketing. Um, we're known in the industry as Marketing Magazine, but uh, when we kind of address ourselves formally, it's just as marketing. Cool. I know you're out in Toronto. Have you always lived out there? Uh, from London, Ontario originally, and uh, spent some time in Ottawa, but I've uh, been in Toronto now for about four years, so it's become home. When did you first become interested in, in marketing or in what would you call yourself? Are you, um, it sounds like you do a lot of, a lot of writing and, and maybe just tell us a little bit about your job first. Let's, let's go there first. Sure. Well, I'm called an editor, but I'm not, I guess, what you would traditionally think of, um, in terms of what an editor does. I started out going to journalism school. Actually, I did the master of journalism program at Carleton University in Ottawa. Um, and I sort of, fell into business reporting. Out of school, I got an internship at Canadian Business Magazine, reported for them for a while, worked at the Business News Network. And it was while I was at BNN that the opportunity to work for Marketing Magazine came about. And they were developing a new position that they'd never had before called Events Editor, uh, because events were becoming a really big part of both their business model and their editorial efforts. So they wanted someone to come in and really oversee events as their main editorial portfolio. So I'm trying it out. It, it's been working out really well. We've, you know, got a lot of conferences and a few award shows and awards programs that we do throughout the year. So I'm really involved in putting together content for those conferences, trying to tell a story with the content that we put together. Um, and I oversee our awards programs, which is a really fun aspect of what we do at marketing. We have the marketing awards, we have the media innovation awards. Separately, we have best of the year and the 30 under 30 program, which are big editorial projects. And I get to be involved in the event aspect of those. So in a nutshell, that's sort of what I do. It's been a long winded answer, but <laughs> <laughs> sounds really interesting. And of course, you were out here at the Canadian Internet Marketing Conference put on by I was by Jelly Marketing. Yeah. What are, yep, what, it was really fun. I got to interview some people in a train car, which was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a, a neat setting. Yeah, the green room was pretty cool, hey? The, it was. It was really fun. All the speakers were hanging out. And, yep, yeah. yep. Got to hang out in an old train for the day. It was great. <laughs> I only went in there once because I was interviewing the speakers as they came off stage. But, oh, yep, uh, yep. And I had to go find, or maybe someone brought me in there because they're their bag was in there or something and they wanted to get me a business card. But yeah, when I went in there, it was really, things were really happening. Yeah. There. Yeah. It was a really great place to get to know people. They were only two feet away from you because 
you know, that's how tall or how big a, a train car is. So it was yeah. nice. Yeah. So what's the last event that you were at marketing event? Well, we just had the marketing awards at the beginning of June and that's our largest awards program. Uh, for that one, we receive about 1500 entries from agencies across Canada. We have people attend, uh, from agencies. They fly in from BC, from Quebec, uh, from the prairies, the East Coast. And I, I think it's a really great indication of the best that marketing in Canada has to offer, you know, really amazing work that happens for some international clients. You know, our, our best of show last year was like a girl, which went on to win a whole bunch of accolades worldwide. Um, and this year you saw really great work, um, from the likes of, uh, Molson Canadian, um, the gay sweater project from Sachi and Sachi and uh, lots of other great work. So that was our last big gala. We kind of go into a, almost a summer vacation <laughs> where we gear up for, I think we have five different events in the fall. So this is sort of our, our prep time for a really busy fall period. Yeah. So from the last awards event, what was something that really stood out to you personally? Well, this year for the first time in, I'm not sure if this has ever happened before, uh, we did not have a best of show. And um, it was, you know, a really big deal for us editorially. Um, and it was a really interesting decision on the part of the jury. We don't intervene um, editorially in the decisions of the jury. We don't compel them to award any awards in any category if they choose not to. Um, where you're allowed to award multiple bronze, silver, and gold awards in each category for the marketing awards. So it really is completely up to the jury's discretion. And they put their names on the awards. You know, they're featured in the awards book on the website with their profiles and companies. You know, it means something to, uh, to say, you know, where the work stands in Canada at that time. And they take it very seriously. So, to not have a best of show was a really big deal. And, you know, we weren't really sure how to go about handling it at first from an editorial perspective. But the jury made the argument that if a Grand Prix doesn't have to be awarded, it can. It shouldn't have to be awarded at the marketing awards. And basically where the decision making process came from is that there was a lot of incredible work uh, that won gold this year. I think I've mentioned before the uh, Anything for Hockey campaign, you know, Molson Canadian built a hockey rink on top of a mountain and flew the Stanley Cup there um, and made a huge branded content uh, piece out of that. Um, but a new bar was really set by uh, Like a Girl last year, which came from Leo Burnett. It was a, a campaign that they put together with the Chicago office and also a London office from Leo Burnett as well. It was for Procter & Gamble. They're always brand. Um, public service work or, or work that's done for charities and government organizations is not eligible for best of show. But Like a Girl was really interesting in that it combined a sort of CSR, or corporate social responsibility component with a paying client, which is rare. It was a really brave piece. It won uh, best of show and it really set a new bar for what paid work can look like in Canada. And so this year, when the jury took a look at the gold winners posted up on the wall, it's kind of how we do it. We do it very old school. We just paste uh, posters of with lists of the gold winners, and the jury take markers, and they make ticks next to uh, their favorites, and we just weren't coming to a consensus. There was two votes over here, three votes over there, and everyone sort of said, you know, this this work is great, but it's not it's not courageous in the way that last year's work was, you know, there's, there's a difference between something being difficult and expensive and something being brave. And they just didn't feel that a particular campaign fit that bill this year. 
So for us, it was interesting because, you know, we ended up interviewing several jury members, I think about six of them after the fact. And we put together a, a big explainer video that went on our website immediately after the show. We played it at the award show. You know, it was the thing that we ended on. It was, you know, difficult at first to imagine that we were going to end a, an awards night on a decision not to award best of show, but it was really well received. You know, I think discussions within the industry sort of settled on, well, you know, nothing would have felt really right. It would have kind of been awarding for the sake of awarding, which is something that we don't want to do. We want to make sure that the jury is 100% behind their decisions and not feeling forced to make a decision just so that we can have, you know, a happy ending at the night of a gala. So it was really interesting uh, to, to see that play out and to see the industry really get behind that decision from our jury members. It was uh, a little nerve wracking, to be honest. I but um, going up to that point, it yeah, was quite nerve wracking. Yeah, but our co-chairs really owned that decision and they really backed their jury and they were fully open in both their letter that appears in our book and online and in the video that we created to explain what was happening behind the scenes. This year, it's really funny that we had a, a no best of show decision because we actually launched a new transparency campaign around the marketing awards. We, we live tweeted from the jury room. We um, had a note taker who could produce a transcript for us to use uh, that we could, you know, count buzzwords or the number of times a category was, was shifted for an entry or, um, you know, just all the information that people don't really get to see and kind of feels like it's behind closed doors or behind a curtain for an award show. We really tried to open up the jury room and the decision making process to our readers. So I guess in a big final act of transparency, we wanted to be as open as possible about why there was no best of show this year. And I think we accomplished that, but it definitely uh, came with some uh, stress leading up to it. So that was something I didn't expect and ended up being really interesting. It sounds like the Like a Girl campaign really set the bar to a certain extent. It, and and, and there did. was just no one that kind of reached that level this year. Yeah, and it's not to say that the work that was created isn't awesome. You know, if you, uh, if you take a look at the Marketing Awards site, we've got uh, some really great work um, profiled and marketingmag.ca has all kinds of stories on the gold-winning work. It's, it's really incredible. And it wasn't meant to be a sort of um, snobby decision to say, well, nothing's just good enough. It's just that, you know, I think it's interesting for an industry to reach a new peak and to want to continue surpassing it. And I, I think that the, how the industry felt and how the jury felt this year was that we didn't uh, surpass like a girl yet, but that, you know, this is sort of a, a reminder that you got to keep putting those daring ideas on the table in front of clients and keep fighting for the big ideas that you want to come, want to see, uh, you know, come to fruition so, yeah, I, I think it was a, a really interesting uh, just discussion point um, and a really interesting uh, consideration on the part of the jury to sort of send that message. And I think it was one that their peers agreed with. What's the you you know, the landscape of marketing in Canada is is sort of Toronto the hotbed for most of the agencies. Is that where a lot of the work gets done? It, it's certainly the media center. There's no question about that. But is it sort of the marketing agency center of, of Canada as well? Uh, well, I mean, there's no question that there's a large number of agencies here and a large number of large agencies or, um, you know, offices of, of really big agency networks. Um, you know, their Canadian offices are, are based in Toronto. But, 
you know, one thing that we've seen over the years is that for the population difference and the difference in, in size for cities, you still see a ton of amazing work and a good portion of work come from the West Coast, come from Quebec, especially Quebec City and Montreal are incredible places for working in advertising. You know, some of the best work we see comes out of Quebec. It's really daring and industry pushing and amazing, you know, for for the fact that, you know, Toronto is a really big population and it, there's no question you see amazing work come from here and big accounts and, and big budgets. But we've also made it a point to do our research and find out who's doing great work on the East Coast, who's doing great work in Alberta, Saskatchewan, BC, uh, Quebec, Manitoba, you know, everywhere. I, I think we've tried to really be national in our coverage. And, and while there is a, a Toronto-centric focus, um, I think it's due mostly to size and, and circumstance. But you're still going to see a lot of amazing work uh, across Canada represented in the award shows particularly. And we've even started to see some really cool agencies and, and marketers pop up on our 30 under 30 list, for example. Last year we had, I think we had someone from nearly every, for, from every major region in Canada represented on a 30 under 30 list. You know, people winning huge accounts. Uh, a pair of marketers with an agency called Dash in Winnipeg are 19 and 20 and, you know, winning huge accounts in Winnipeg. So uh, while there is a lot to be said for, you know, population and budget and that sort of thing in Toronto, we've, we've found that there's a lot of great marketing to be discovered in other parts of Canada. And we've been lucky to be able to profile uh, those individuals because our magazine has a national focus, which is really great. There have been some good ads in Canada, haven't they? Like the, mm-hmm. like you, me- you mentioned Molson Canadian. I, I'm surprised maybe that the, <laughs> that the one with the ice rink on top of the mountain didn't, didn't win the, the best in show. But you think <laughs> about the, um, the WestJet, uh, you know, when they, the WestJet ad where they give the gifts, they find out what people want. The Christmas the, miracle. The Christmas miracle. And they have yep. them waiting. They have their gifts waiting on the other end. I mean, that, that ad was incredibly, creative and uh and went viral and uh, we got the opportunity at the canadian internet marketing conference to hear from one of the team members who put that together and just the the work and everything that that went into that i think we're going to see more from WestJet too <laughs> i don't was think it, they're, i don't think they're finished yet <laughs> no well was it greg plata who appeared at your that sounds like the conference name, yeah. okay because we've been able we've been able to maintain a great relationship with Greg at marketing. He was one of our thirty under thirty uh, recipients in twenty fourteen. He was one of our cover stars that year, yeah. and he was really um, a huge driving force behind the Christmas miracle and several other really cool viral marketing stunts for WestJet. He's actually recently moved to Toronto to work for an agency called Traffic, um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does there. But definitely, there's some really cool marketing that comes out of that office at WestJet. Um, and you know, they're, they're one of the, the accounts that we really look to, uh, for more interesting news. It'll be interesting to see what develops from there with uh, team changes and, and other changes that have, that have come to the office. So yeah, but definitely keeping an eye on them because they have created some really cool stuff in recent years. What's, what's next for you? You, you mentioned you sort of take it. You're probably not taking a break per se, but you're <laughs> things, not so much. Yeah, a little bit quieter during the summer, and then what's next in the coming up? They do. It's it's really a calm before a storm. Uh, we have a really big fall every year. Um, you know, it, it's fall tends to be. I, I think maybe it's because we have 
the pattern of back to school drilled in us from a young age. But fall seems to be a good time for a learning opportunity, uh, I think, across lots of different industries and marketing included. So in September, we have a, a new event we're really proud of. Uh, it's in its second year now. It's called the Marketing Evolution Summit. And it is exclusively for C-suite marketers. Uh, so people at the VP level or above with, uh, within the marketing teams, uh, within their organizations and specifically client side. Uh, so brands, um, we invite 200 of them. It's invitation only for a full day conference, uh, here in Toronto. And we try to bring them as many incredible speakers as we can. We've got, uh, the CEO of SoulCycle. Melanie Whalen uh, will be there uh, doing a fireside chat with us. We have the executive content uh, producer at BuzzFeed, Summer Ann Burton. She's coming in from New York as well. We have the CMO for the Canadian Olympic Committee. He'll be taking part in a CMO panel, and he'll be telling us all about Rio and that experience. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really great day. We've got a brand-new branded content conference coming up uh, in October called Marketing Live. And we have some amazing content producers uh, who work brand side or sorry, publisher side coming in for that. We've got the custom studio uh, directors for Wall Street Journal, the uh, custom studio uh, director for Mashable and uh, lots of others coming in, which we're really excited about. And we're actually having that at the Sony Center for the Performing Arts. And we will be holding that on the Sony Center stage, which is really exciting. We're going to have 300 people taking part in a conference uh, in a conference on a stage, which we think is going to be really interesting. And it sort of uh, plays with our theme of storytelling, uh, which is really what branded content needs to do in order to connect with consumers. And then people can look out for the usual events that we have in the fall, the Media Innovation Awards, which awards the best in media strategy. Uh, that's accompanied by a junior media planner event called the Media Innovation Forum, where we're trying to inspire the next generation of media strategists. And then our 30 under 30 list comes out, which is huge. Every year for us, we love our 30 under 30 program. We're just deciding now who's going to be on the list and, uh, you know, getting ready for some photo shoots and that sort of thing. So we can unveil that package in October. And uh, then we accept applications for best of the year and the whole year starts over again. So lots of stuff coming up in the fall that we're uh, really excited about. Cool. Yeah, it was Greg Plata. Yeah. From, it was Greg Plata from WestJet. I just looked it up while you were talking. Oh, great. <laughs> you were yeah. Talking. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we have a habit of following our 30 under 30 alumni very closely. So I'm sure some of them would be weirded out by the level of detail we know about their careers, but we, uh, we're, we're just very proud of the fact that we are able to get applications from really successful young people in the marketing industry. And oftentimes they are future leaders, you know, they end up getting big promotions and overseeing big accounts. So it's, you know, it's a point of pride for marketing Meg, our, our 30 under 30 list. So on the Jelly Marketing Podcast, we primarily talk to marketers and we like to provide them with some tips. Just from your area sure. of expertise, is there something that you could share with us today? You know, for us, we, we talk a lot about this idea of authenticity. It's really become this huge buzzword. We've done lots of different articles about it and it seems to be a, a big deal, really, uh, to, to say that you have this authentic connection or authentic experience or something really needs to be authentic in order to connect with consumers. And I, it's interesting because we do have a lot of uh, behind the scenes conversations at editorial as to, you know, can you ever cheapen the word authentic and where is marketing headed if it's all supposed to be about realism and that sort of thing. And 
uh, stunts and experiential marketing, it all kind of seems to factor into the same goal, which is that marketers are looking to connect more with consumers. And, you know, one thing that we usually come back to is uh, we just, we always find that the most successful brands are the ones that have their value proposition really simply defined and and stick to it when it comes to coming up with marketing strategies. I think it's more authentic to recognize that people know you're a brand and, and know that you have something to sell them and to just kind of be honest about that. Um, you know, the more you can just be upfront about uh, the fact that, you know, this is marketing and this is advertising and people will still buy and they'll, they'll still buy in in a lot of ways. It just, you know, don't, don't forget that you're a brand and, uh, you know, I, I think that's the, the clearest path to authenticity rather than trying to hide in any way that you're um, advertising or, or marketing to people. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, no, I like what you said there. I think, you know, not to hide the fact that you're a brand and that you have something to sell. Like, let's just be honest, right? Yeah. And yeah. But you also said something really interesting is that as a brand, and I think this is a part of a brand exercise, is to know what you're about, to know your values and to to stick to those. That'll That'll make you relatable. I think I know that my mind at first when I hear authenticity kind of goes to, you know, being vulnerable and all of that kind of stuff, which maybe for a an individual, you can, you can do that. Uh, and I guess companies can do that well, you know, as well in a way, like not, not try to appear to be perfect all the time, but, but to know your values and to, to stick to those. And I think that can be reflected in your advertising and then just, and, and be willing to put that out there and, and let people make a choice. Like, do they relate to that or do they not, you know? And if they do relate to it, then they're probably more likely to, to, to purchase from you. Yeah. And, you know, what we see a lot with, with marketing these days is sort of a, a scattershot approach, which is not to say that, uh, you know, they're testing out. Well, in, in a way they are, you know, we, we get a lot of different new models coming out with, uh, with agency work in terms of having multiple agencies work on a very large account at the same time. And they sort of, uh, have to spend more time, uh, discussing, how they're going to work with each other rather than how they're going to execute on a particular idea. I think the more you can do to have a, a clearly defined sense of, of the message that your brand is trying to send executed by a team that is fully committed to that is, is going to benefit, uh, benefit you greatly in the long run. You know, sometimes we see multiple different approaches to advertising and messages from the same company because, you know, the idea is that you get more brains working on it, so you have more ideas to choose from, but sometimes that just ends up in sort of a muddled message from a brand. I think the successful campaigns that we've seen are ones where people have had a clearly defined set of values, a clearly defined group to work on that message and uh, execute it as best that they can. Those seem to be the more successful brands that we really understand what their value proposition is and... Uh, um, it seems to be that it's a, you know, a close knit group of individuals working together rather than this sort of very spread out, um, uh, sometimes off message approach. Can you think of an example or a campaign that, that exemplifies authenticity for you and what you're thinking, what you're, what you're saying here? Well, one really cool one that I love is a, a campaign that DDB Canada has continue to work on for a client called Milk West in BC. 
they have a really great online film series um, that we've covered for a number of years now uh, because they continue to roll it out and uh, or sorry roll out new episodes and and find success with it. It's called Snack Time. And it's a series where um, they have a central, uh, it's an animated online YouTube series of episodes that are between uh, 30 seconds and a minute. They've been working on an animated film series for this client uh, called Snack Time. And what Snack Time basically is, is a uh, animated show of episodes that last between 30 seconds and a minute. And the central character is a carton of milk and his name is just Milk. And his friends are all snacks that would pair well with milk. So there's chocolate chip cookie, there's marshmallow, muffin, and it basically goes through all of the hijinks that these characters get into in these really short little episodes. The reason why they decided to come up with snack time is that they wanted to market to teens, and teens are seen as a group that notoriously hates advertising, especially online advertising, YouTube advertising, anything that keeps them from content. Uh, that they want to watch for even like 15 to 30 seconds. So basically what they created was uh, an advertisement that teens would actually like and enjoy. Uh, Snack Time has this really funny sense of humor, uh, a little bit of dark humor sometimes, which is, uh, I think, something that teens appreciate. I find them really funny. You know, they've said in their research that kids who watch Snack Time drink more milk. I can't verify that myself, but they seem to have found something successful where they can, you know, market to a group of people that don't really love to be marketed to. And everything that I've seen from Snack Time is just really on message. The the whole campaign really hits at those points. And, you know, we haven't seen another agency really credited on those ads other than DDB Canada. I'm sure that there's a media planner involved or some other strategist or even PR or something, but we haven't seen those credited. But I think it's just a really great example of an, an agency group working really closely with their client on something that's successful. It's really on message. It, it knows who it's trying to market to, and it does that really well. So if you have a chance, go on YouTube and check out Snack Time. I think there's something like 50 episodes now, and they hit on certain cultural points. There's a Super Bowl-themed episode. There's a, a Hunger Games-themed episode, all things that teens are into or aware of. And uh, yeah, that's what I would cite as, as, you know, a client that really knows itself and knows what it needs from its marketing team. And, you know, they've worked together really well and they've managed to win a lot of awards for it. That sounds cool. We'll put links to that in in the show notes. Uh, just, just before we wrap up, in our pre-interview conversation, you mentioned marketing magazine going through a transition, you know, from from print to to digital, and I, I see on your website that you're you're offering both. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could just speak to that evolution. I, I notice a lot more just purely digital magazines coming out these days. What's it been like for marketing to make this transition? Oh well, every transition has its growing pains. You know, it's first there's the mental transition of you know uh, you're hired by a magazine, and then suddenly that magazine is primarily a website, and this is really something that's happened for us in just the past two or three years. Um, But really, for us, we're just following our readership. We have gotten a ton of engagement online. Uh, The number of followers we have on Twitter is, you know, something like 150,000. We have uh, lots of Facebook fans, LinkedIn fans. We just launched on Instagram. And our daily newsletters, which we put out twice a day, get a ton of eyeballs. So our subscriber base has really shown us that they consume us on digital platforms more than anywhere else. And while the 
the print product still has value for us and that we've been able to tell longer form stories and in uh, in interesting ways in terms of design in ways that we can't quite replicate on uh, on digital. For us, it's really been about going to where we're being read. So, you know, I think it's something that each magazine and each print product has to evaluate for themselves. I think, you know, we've really done a lot of work to try and get to know our audience and the segments of our audience as, as well as possible. We know, for example, that our agency readers uh, really consume us on digital. And then there are other aspects of our readership that we've had to really work to grow, like our, our C-suite readership, which we've uh, been able to do with our C-suite newsletter recently. So yeah, for us, it's really been about responding to a new reality and, and trying to execute as best as possible and still tell really great stories. You know, we are much more focused now on the daily news cycle than we have been in the past. Uh, marketing was a weekly magazine at one point, but you know, that's still a week of news to condense into a print product. We haven't really looked at uh, trends or or tried to find wisdom elsewhere. Uh, it's, it's always come down to understanding who the marketing audience is and trying to respond to them as best we can and just be where they are. You know, if, if they're telling us that they consume it digitally, then we're going to put it out there digitally. We still get an appetite for our awards books and for some of our print issues, which is where we get to you know, get a little bit more in depth with our features. Uh, some of those we still put online and, and those do quite well. And uh, we know that a lot of people still love the printed word and, and you know, the physical experience of flipping through a magazine. So we've uh, we've tried to keep that as, as best we can. But yeah, you know, our, our future moves are really just dictated by um, where our readers take us. And uh, we're continuing to do that as best we can. We recently got on Texture, uh, which is uh, was formerly Next Issue, the magazine subscription app uh, for tablets. Um, so we're excited to be having our print issue up on there. So it's a new avenue for us to get that kind of work in front of readers and, and other Canadians. And uh, yeah, you know, other opportunities that come around, um, we just sort of respond to them when, when we can. And, uh, you know, our model really follows the way that people consume us more than anything. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not alone, but I consume most of my news and that, that sort of thing on my phone. And I follow one or two magazines and I also use, have you heard of Flipboard before? I haven't, no. Yeah, it's kind of a cool app where they pull in all kinds of news from all sorts of different places. So, Okay, that used to be what I would really use Twitter for is uh, news aggregation. Yeah. Uh, but I find more than anything, I, I do need something like that that kind of keeps me uh, on top of what my my preferred news sources are saying, so I should definitely check that out. We uh, regularly do a feature. It's a, it's the jelly marketing version of the lightning round. Most a lot of podcasts do this kind of thing. So. Okay, <laughs> we're cool. just we're just following right along. Sure. So our first question is: because we're the jelly marketing podcast, what do you like to spread on your toast? Peanut butter. Nice. I don't know if that's blasphemous on the Jelly Marketing Podcast, but uh, <laughs> sorry. It's, it's funny. Everybody thinks they should answer jelly, but that's... Oh, uh, okay. But Immediately, no, I was like, oh, I'll just not make a friend. <laughs> really, nobody has yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a, a particular brand of peanut butter that you like? I just uh, became a full hippie and have started using natural peanut butter. Nice. So just ground peanuts. And it actually is really good. Yeah. You yeah, grind it but, yourself? Uh, 
No, uh, that's one part of the hippie process that I've not <laughs> taken on yet. But uh, so you're not totally a, full hippie quite. Not yet. a full hippie yet. Yeah. I, I pick it up in a tub at the store, but um, yeah, I've, I've started to use that, which I think is pretty great. <laughs> and the next question is, what do you do to handle stress? Oh, um, music is a big thing for me, uh, and really just walking around. I find that being at a desk. When you're stressed out, just sitting there and sort of stewing in it is really not a good thing. So you got to change your environment, get up, go for a walk, go for a run, that sort of thing. That That's really what shuts my brain off uh, from stressful thoughts. Are you an iPhone person or an Android person? I am an iPhone person, fully Mac in every way. <laughs> <laughs> What's the favorite app? What's your favorite app on your iPhone? If I'm being honest, Instagram. But I do love the weather app. I like to be prepared. <laughs> The weather app is awesome. So, yeah, so and, is Instagram. Oh, I guess if I could make a recommendation, I did just start using Mint, which is the budget tracking app. And I'm finding that to be very helpful in terms of uh, reminders. Mint connects right to your bank accounts and it sends you emails when you're overspending in particular categories and keeps you on track with your bills and your budget. So if anyone out there is like me and struggles with that, I would recommend Mint. It's great. Cool. Does it do it in a friendly sort of way? It doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's friendly graphics, but it does have you know colors like the same as stoplights. When you're getting to uh, a danger zone, it goes yellow, and when you've overspent, it's red and sends you warning emails. So yeah. uh, sometimes it is a little bit like a scolding parent, <laughs> but sometimes it's what I need to you know be told that that pair of shoes was was not a good idea. <laughs> sure, yeah. I have to look into that some more. I wonder what the psychology <laughs> behind that is. Like. Yeah, yeah, it's working on me. I think I don't like getting those. Uh, those red emails. So, um, you know, I think it's working a little bit. It's making me think more about uh, discretionary spending. Yeah. Sometimes we're not conscious of where we're at. It, yeah. Our- yeah. And the amount of times you use Uber in a month, it's, it's, uh, it can be dangerous. So it's good to have, <laughs> you know, while Uber and other technologies are great to have on your phone, it's also good to have that app that's helping you, uh, you know, keep track of, of what you're actually spending. Do you have a favorite life or business hack that you can share? A shortcut, a loophole that makes your life easier? I suppose my one business hack is not marking an email as read until you've truly dealt with the content in the email. Mm. You know, even if you've responded to an email, keep the other person's uh, email marked as unread if there's an action item in there. And that way you won't forget to add it to your to-do list. So I find my email is... Uh, just as helpful in terms of getting me centered on what my tasks are as uh, as a to-do list is. And I also write things down. I'm old school in that way. I have a physical planner as well as my online calendar, which I'm sure some people would think is insane. But from the time I was a student, the way to get me to retain things and remember things for exams was to write them down using my own hand and a pen. And that's still the way I retain information the best is to physically write it down. So that's why I have a, a paper planner as well as an online calendar. Yeah, I hadn't thought of the email thing as a business hack, but I do that too. I, I uh, When there's an action item in there, I, I mark it as unread. So yeah. I, I might read it, but yeah, if there's something, uh, otherwise I think it just, I'm, I'm afraid I'll get lost in the in Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. That's great to sort your uh, email by unread and that it keeps that as sort of a to-do list for the day. Mm-hmm. There's so many causes out there, but do you, just for the purposes of our interview, do you have one that you can pick that's near and dear to your heart? A cause? Yeah. 
Well, I'm a feminist, so you know, whenever I see anything online that has to do with equality, especially intersectional feminism, recognizing that the female experience is not the same for everyone, uh, and um, you know, the color of your skin del- still does have an impact on the experience that you'll have and the access that you have and the privilege that you have. So I would say that feminism is is something that's really near and dear to my heart wage equality especially you know i i it, it's it's an obvious thing but women need to be paid for equal work and we're still not so that is uh one thing that i hope to see change in my lifetime and i do what i can to either have those discussions uh, take part in debates and uh, discussions wherever possible. Yeah, just just keep using the word feminism. Uh, it's not an F word. It's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Our, our our listeners won't know this, but we had a few technical difficulties. So thank yeah. you for hanging in there uh, with me. They, they, they were mostly on my end of things. So I appreciate you. I appreciate your patience today. And uh, how can people find out more about Market and reach out to you if they want to? So uh, if you want to follow Marketing Meg, you can find us at marketingmeg.ca. Give us a follow on Twitter at marketing underscore Meg. And uh, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We're Marketing Meg or Marketing Meg Canada on those platforms. And if you want to find me, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at tweetsbykate88. And my uh, email is there if you want to get in touch. It's right there on my Twitter bio. So feel free to. (laughs) Yeah. So if people are listening on iTunes or online somewhere, we will put those links in the show notes. Well, thanks again, Kate. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. Well, thanks again to Kate Wilkinson from Marketing for joining us on the 10th episode of the Jelly Marketing Podcast. Kate shared a lot of valuable links. And so if you'd like to check those out, go to the show notes from this episode on the Jelly Marketing Podcast page at jellymarketing.com and you'll find them under the blog tab of the website. Also be sure and check us out on iTunes and leave a comment and a rating. We'd love to hear from you and the more people that share and comment, the more our reach will grow. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. You can fly This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.